The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Catholic Home of the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Teresa, and on this episode, I'm joined by my friends Louise and Phil. Launching into the second part of our discussion, Louise, Phil, and I will continue with our conversation about life in a Catholic Australian mission. Before we move on to the other practical means by which both of you employ, you know, in keeping the faith strong in your families, I just wanted to ask you, Louise, before we move on to that, if there is any advice that you would like to give to traditional Catholics in the R&R camp who are noticing some of the problems and deep down suspect that something there is not quite right, but are too scared to look into the Sedevacantus issue for fear that, this is to quote someone, I just can't go from all this to nothingness. And by all this, he was meaning the bells, the smells and the buildings and all that stuff. So what would you say? I would say you've got to trust in God and you've got to realise it may be, it may seem like you're being led out into the desert. There may be an adjustment time, but God will definitely bring you to the promised land. Once you get there, you're going to be content. You will never go back. I mean, think about what you really are going to leave behind you are going to leave behind that theological nonsense that is undermining your own faith, it's undermining your children's faith, and it's simply not Catholicism to teach that the official teachings and disciplines of a true Pope can simply be ignored. I mean, isn't that exactly the same message that the modernists are teaching? Yes. That everything that happened before Vatican II can just be ignored. So they're, they're peas in a pod, aren't they? Yes, mm. Gallicanism. Yes. It's like a, it's a systematic attitude. It is. And, it, and it's it's scandalous. It's just not the truth. It's not the truth that God died on the cross to give us. So many people, I get the impression from what they've told me, they just say that they're like, they don't say that we use the word we're in the comfort zone, but they actually say it's just, we've got all this. If we have to do what you do, one of them actually said to me, oh, you know, we lose our school, we lose our, our, our social community. And I just think when our Lord was on the cross, do you think he was in his comfort zone, exactly. please wake up, smell yeah. the coffee. Yeah. It's not yeah. about comfort zones. We're meant to be out of our comfort zones. Yeah. That's what it's all about. I mean, so, that's it. We've got, to, we've got to do something to, to gain the faith in this era, not just sit back. Yes. It's not going to just come to you. You've got to make that leap and chase after to seek and you will find. Yes. That's the truth. That's the it. Right. I mean, this, this whole crisis and everything that we're talking about comes down to truth. And obedience. And unfortunately, the R&R crowd not having that Catholic truth at the bedrock of their organisation, they have no real means to ask for obedience. And the trouble is that people have to watch out for is that the R&R crowds out there have to use other means to get that obedience from their members. And that's where people can run into trouble because... They're going to use their bully tactics. And you're going to find those R&R crowds are harbouring systematic attitudes, which uh, is lacking in charity. 
why would you want to be in that environment? Why would you want to put your family in that environment? And any friends that you invite, they're going to come there and feel that and see that. And how are you going to demand or command obedience from your children if they know that their parents, as well as their pastors, are disobeying their Holy Father? Yeah, absolutely. It is just <clears throat> appalling. It's undermining. It's, it's, it's you, I'm just... Yeah, it's well, it's, I keep saying it's a contradiction. It, it is. Uh, I mean, like my my problem with uh, with being in the in the R and R, you know, facilities, if you like, the churches and the schools, was that I didn't believe he was the Pope, but I was still going. And every time I looked at the picture, I said, "How do I explain that to my children?" Yes. How yes. do I explain? Because they see me and they hear me saying, yeah, he's not really there, he's a heretic. And, and yet to, I send my children to this school, which has got his picture up there. Yeah. It, it's, it's a contradiction in, in my yeah. own um, spirituality. Yes. So uh, that, was, that was what did it for me. It's, so, yeah. it's an affront to God, those grinning pictures of the antipopes in the vestibules. I, I can't stand to look at them because those people, they are actually the biggest enemies of Jesus Christ on the face of the earth at the moment. Mm -hmm. They're the wolves. They're tearing the flocks apart. They're the people devastating the vineyard. And we're framing their picture and putting it up to do homage to them Mm. and putting their name in the canon. We should be like Judith and figuratively going up and cutting Holofernes of our time's head off. Amen. That's it. But where is Judith now? No, we'll just put the picture of him up there. It's outrageous. It's an affront to God and it should be an affront to every single Catholic. You see, this the, the times we're living in now, it's a huge spiritual battle and we there's a huge tug of war going on and really every Catholic has to get on the right end of the rope. We've got to get at the strength where of the of this fight where we've got the freedom that our Lord has given his followers to call out the heretics for what they are and to publish it from the rooftops. And we need to be able to do so without damaging any of our negotiations. We're not defending any position here. This is not a movement. This is not some kind of a different sect. This is ordinary Catholics trying to be true Catholics. So many people think that the Sedevacantist position is like a different movement. Like it's forming camp. a different, yeah, a different yeah. camp. It's forming a different sort of view. This is another way we're going to treat the crisis. Mm. It's not. We want to be Catholics. It's not a movement. We want to be Catholics and want to be complete Catholics, whole, and do everything that we are supposed to do as a Catholic. When you see a man in Rome purporting to be the Pope, espousing absolute heresy, how do you? Um, affiliate yourself with someone who says he's the Pope and disobeys him. It just doesn't make sense. No. Our Lord said you're either with me or you're against me. Absolutely. That's it. There's no middle ground. Excellent quote that's very pertinent. It's by Dom Garanger and it's found in the liturgical year. And I'll just read this out. Quote, when the shepherd becomes a wolf, the first duty of the flock is to defend itself. It is usual and regular, no doubt, for doctrine to descend from the bishops to the faithful, and those who are subject in the faith are not to judge their superiors. But in the treasure of revelation there are essential doctrines which all Christians, by the very fact of their title as such, are bound to know and defend. The principle is the same whether it be a question of belief or conduct, dogma or morals. Treachery, like that of Nestorius, is rare in the church, well, at least it was, 
at the time when this was written over a century ago. But it may happen some pastors keep silence for one reason or another in circumstances when religion itself is at stake. The true children of Holy Church at such times are those who walk by the light of their baptism, not the cowardly souls who, under the specious pretext of submission to the powers that be, delay their opposition to the enemy in the hope of receiving instructions which are neither necessary nor desirable. End that, quote. That's just profound. It sums it all up, doesn't it? It does. Great quote. Yeah, if you think properly about it, there actually is no true, that is complete opposition to the Novus Ordo counterfeit church by the R&R camp. So, in fact, they're just another tentacle of the whole modernist monster. And as St Athanasius put it all those centuries ago, in the parallel crisis, they have the buildings, but we have the faith. Amen to that. Amen. And it is worth noting that truth is of the supernatural order and hence the highest order of things. It is more real, as it were, than the material forms. So leaving the R&R camp for the St. Countess mission, as we here all did, is in reality going from nothingness to everythingness. Yes. So exactly the opposite of what this person voiced. Now, if anyone doesn't understand this nor grasps that all the externals, no matter how many, nor bombastic, at the expense of truth is in essence nothing, then they've completely missed the point of being a Catholic. And if you believe that, you're probably seriously affected with naturalism, which is not surprising, all things considered. And my suggestion to you would be to put yourself into detox. <laughs> so, no, it's true. It's like we're surrounded by it and it affects us. But based on what we talked about before, Louise, I want to, you know, make the point that I actually have some family and friends who are still part of the r camp. And I do know that some of these people are very pious and a lot of them are making sacrifices to try and lead upright Catholic lives. And you know, some, a lot of them are accepting all the children that God sends them and working hard and raising them to be devout whilst rejecting the vile modern cultures. They are really making a good effort and doing all of that. So although I disagree with and categorically reject the foundational principle of that faction, I'm certainly not saying that there aren't good Catholics in their churches. I just sincerely hope and pray that they will all one day come to understand that they should not keep this critical issue in the, as you said before, the too hard basket, but they must reject the nervous order counterfeit religion in its entirety, which includes their figurehead papal claimant. So, Louise, you're interested in apostolic action. I noticed you mentioned a bit about it before, but the intensity of being a mother can stifle the opportunities for such action. Yet we know that the duties of a Catholic mother are at least as equally, if not far more noble. So, Louise, what sort of Catholic action do you see as possible for those in a mission situation like we're in now? I think there's a lot of scope for it, Teresa, because we really are living in a sea of impiety, but yet there are many people out there who are still interested in the faith. We know that apostolic action is an important duty of every confirmed Catholic. It's a good way to please God, to please Our Lady, and it can even win for our own selves much-needed graces by doing this work. So I would just say it can still be possible even if you're a busy mum. Just meeting other people in your everyday life, whether you're at the shops or the playground or the library, your normal daily routines, meet other people and talk to them and they'll often ask, oh, these are all your children and talk about homeschooling and it leads into Catholicism and you can lead people along, especially if they're already Catholics and a lot of them do down Nominally Catholic. Nominally Catholic mm. and also know that things aren't quite right, but yes. don't know the exact answers. 
So, I mean, I'm interested in that day-to-day apostolate, but I'm also interested in the future scope for starting up traditional guilds and apostolic groups. A bit like, like the, the Christian Mothers Guild as well. Yes, yes, that sort of thing, the Legion of Mary, Sodalities, and even just public speaking. I know they have a speaker's corner in the city. I'd love to go down there oh, one day. your game. <laughs> but also a radio show is a great idea. Well, that's why we're here. So. <laughs> that's it, well done. Phil, we'll call upon you again because you've been a bit quiet for a while. Yeah, I'm still here. So where were we with your journey? So so you've seen the light. You're now assisting at, say, two or three masses each month here when the priests visit our mission base, and your children are being homeschooled now too. So have these changes been in any way harmful or negative? Uh, The opposite. They've been extremely edifying and beneficial. And I think us men folk do tend to focus on our work a lot and take for granted the efforts of our wives. And my wife has been uh, just a absolute trooper in getting the kids organised into into homeschooling. She saw it as a uh, crusade yeah. to just set the home up in what it should have been from the start. So let's start with homeschooling. It's fundamentally learning the faith first and then the three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic. Uh, <laughs> fundamental shift for our kids and their own spiritual life. You see a a real change in the way they uh, approach things from going to the school to, it was a bit of adjustment for them, but Mm. going from the school to a home life has been beneficial for them, absolutely. We use the Seaton Homeschool Program, so the shipping is expensive coming all the way from the US. but um, almost a little bit of editing you have to do, but not much. Yeah, absolutely, we we get the pen pen out, but much cheaper than school fees and uniforms. Um, (laughs) And of course, we don't have to drive them anywhere, uh, that is a big benefit, It's, it's a purely natural one, but I don't have to worry about who the kids are hanging around with either. I mean, there's all these uh, sort of side things, but they're fundamentally learning their faith. And they're home around their mother all day who can pick up on the vices that yeah, are coming absolutely. out that, uh, that the teachers don't pick up on and can just slip underneath the radar yeah. and form habits, which are very hard to undo. But with your wife's all-seeing eye and the eagle eye, absolutely. she's on the yes. ball. She's yeah. doing a great job. She is. So the the kids go at their own pace with their learning and it's all centred around the faith. It's yes. not centred around this kind of issue of vocational education that is now out there in the public school system where they got to learn business skills and all that. So, I mean, this is, it's nuts. I mean, you, you teach them the faith and, of course, you teach them the skills and bring them up, but they're, they're, they don't need to do as much school when they're homeschooling as because of the one-on-one type of because teaching. Because of the one-on-one type, type yes. of teaching. It's, it's even better from an educational sense. So they go at their own pace, unless, of course, my wife is cracking the whip. <laughs> <laughs> but they learn the discipline of going at their own pace. Of course, they all have their own different challenges, as kids do. And um, people ask me at work why I homeschool. You know, it's a natural question, and I just tell them because we're lazy and we don't want to take them. <laughs> Far from it. That's exactly right. But she is a trooper. Um, my wife, she really is dedicated to the kids' education and teaching them faith. Gives me a renewed appreciation for her vocation and she undertakes it without complaint. Well, not that often anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, her spiritual life has blossomed as a result as well. What a blessing, a way to offer up the daily little crosses that one gets from being around the kids all day and following her vocation makes her whole day a prayer. I found I actually <clears throat> learned a lot more about my faith by teaching my children. Yes. And you might think that those little kitty saint books and those little kitty catechisms 
are going to be like, yeah, we've heard it all before, but no way. I mean, those Little Kitty Saints books are so edifying. And I'm finding little bits that I'd missed. And I'm like, oh, I didn't quite realise that detail. And, of course, you have to check everything because you don't know if the book you've got is correct. But when you check it, you're learning. So it's very helpful for the parents. When they actually do take the responsibility themselves to educate their children Mm in the fullness of the truth of the Catholic faith. And after all, we do have the grace of state to do that. Well, we've got this. We've got Mary. Yes. So So, uh, Maria has a pretty tight routine. She's um, very much a structured person. Catechism lesson in the morning generally, often a sermon from uh, St. Gertrude the Great or uh, Mm -hmm. Most Holy Trinity Seminary or perhaps something from Restoration Radio. And then hit the books. We've also set up a modest home altar, been working on acquiring holy pictures and statues, not the kind of stuff that you guys have just been talking about, of course. <laughs> um, can't claim possession of a whole chapel, uh, should I say lucky ducks, but it serves our purpose and gives us a focal point for new oceans. Uh, we're also blessed to have been able to purchase off eBay a beautiful reliquary and uh, paperoli frame, which has got 16 first-class relics oh. uh, and authentic Agnes Day oval well, I was with wax. in a mission locality where you don't have daily mass, it's yeah. absolutely imperative to avail yourselves of sacramentals. Well, we were talking it's about so Providence. critical. This yes. this thing popped up, and I'm, I've seen a few of these things on eBay. They're often in the thousands of dollars because they're antiques, of course. This is um, well, you're paying for the reliquary because you're not allowed to buy a relic. That's right. And usually no. they're very good. Well, this is an antique. It's in a frame. It's a shot of shadow box kind of thing. It's from the period of Pope Pius IX, the great anti-modernist pope. My patron saint is St. Philip Neri, and it's from the Confederation of the Oratory of St. Philip Neri. So it's got a St. Philip Neri first-class relic. So this is providential stuff. This is one of the things of the modern times. If it weren't for the robbers taking over the structure and all those modernists in the convents and the monasteries who were just thinking, what are these things? We don't want them. Let's make some money out of them. Yeah. Throwing them all away. So here we have to buy them. The peasants, like lay folk, who get to, uh, what's the word, we're just Caretaker. guarding them. We're caretakers. Yes, we're like the uh, caretakers until a better time. And then when right. the church is back on track and they want to take them back from us, we'll we will relinquish we'll, we'll them. So, yeah, absolutely. Yes, but it's just something that So that, that forms a significant part of our home altar on the wall and we have devotions to all those saints. Speaking of those Agnes Day relics, we actually have two of them. And it was after reading a particular article called The Forgotten Sacramental that I was determined we had to get a hold of these things. I've just printed off a part of this article because I thought this is something I would like to share because I think some people haven't heard about this. So I'll just read the article. And it says, The name Agnes Dei was given to special discs of wax impressed with the figure of a lamb, the quote-unquote Lamb of God, which were blessed by the reigning Pope in a ceremony so solemn that the Pope was said to consecrate the sacramentals. Popes traditionally consecrated Agnes Deis only during the first year of their pontificate and again every seven years. On the side, one of our Agnes Deis was consecrated by Pope St. Pius X. So I look at it as a double relic, a double bonus. Anyway, it goes on and points out what they're for. These are the points. They foster piety, banish tepidity, preserve from vice and dispose to virtue. So that alone makes them worth it. Absolutely. And then it goes on. But there's more. Uh, they cancel venial sins and purify from the stain left by grievous sin after it has been remitted in the sacrament of penance. Mm. 
They banish evil spirits, deliver from temptation, and preserve from eternal ruin. These are amazing. They are a protection from a sudden and unprovided death. They dispel fears occasioned by evil spirits. They are a protection in combat and have power to ensure victory. They deliver from poison and from the snares of the wicked. They are excellent preventatives against sickness and are also an efficacious remedy, especially in cases of epilepsy. They hinder the ravages of pestilence, of epidemics and infectious diseases. They quiet the winds, dissipate hurricanes, calm whirlwinds and keep away tempests. But somewhere else it was also mentioning their protection in childbirth. Mm. Maybe it's not in this particular article. They save from shipwreck and the danger of lightning and floods. An anecdote is recalled here of Pope St. Pius V, who had recourse to this expedient when the Tiber was in flood and seemed likely to submerge the city. We are told that when an Agnes Day had been thrown into the river, the angry waters at once subsided. Needless to say, due to the limited quantity of the Agnes Days which were available, those which could be obtained were cherished by the faithful and gratefully passed down from generation to generation. Hmm. You can get these on eBay. Well, my save is the wax disc with a lamb on the front, and it remained in a bishop's family or a family of religious since it was, you know, acquired, you know, since the Pope consecrated it or blessed it, 1857 or something. So it certainly is a a great source of uh, consolation and, and inspiration, but also when you know that you're getting all that grace those uh, that assistance the protection well the sacramentals are so important it reminds me of where a lady said that one day through the rosary and the scapula the world will be saved yeah now what's implicit is that the day will come when the holy mass will be suppressed Mm. and we're living it now that's right so not only those two sacramentals are so important but all of them are during this stage we should try to Take advantage. So that's a great thing because it very much is the forgotten sacramental. Um, So if you could get your hands on one for anybody who's listening, uh, can find one. Into the program, Um, we formed a habit of listening to sermons from uh, St. Gertrude the Great, Catholic Church and uh, Most Holy Trinity Seminary. Of course, I always love a um, a sermon from Bishop Sanborn. This is someone you know, uh, Bishop Sanborn's off tune. If you don't feel like you've left his sermon with a bit of a a dent in your (laughs) your soul. (laughs) Yeah, you feel like you've been hammered. But I have a funny little story about this. You know how some people put sermons on these iPod things? One of our group had a housewarming party, and there were some secular people there, and there were a lot of R&R people there, and they had some music playing over their speaker because the iPod was connected. And people were, like, singing to it. It was, like, sort of Australian country music or something. It was all pretty harmless stuff. And so they'd put a song on. There'd be a few people. They'd be singing in the microphone. So these little cutesy songs are coming up. And next thing you know, the next item came up in the iPod, and it was Bishop Sanborn's voice booming out. And today we will talk about the Antichrist. <laughs> in the middle of a party. It was just so funny. And, but this is the sort of thing that happens. Yeah. And similarly here, we've got a setup where we play them from a computer and the speakers in the lounge room and someone outside because mm-hmm. I like to sit outside. And sometimes if you press remote or you know, the wrong button, you can have the sermons playing out your outside speakers, but you don't know. You're sitting inside. You don't realise this. We had, so yes, I actually went for a walk one day and we got like this, this, this 
it's like you go hiking, it's like a forest out there in the mountain, the valley. And as I'm heading back towards the house, because the speakers are facing right out, I can hear Bishop Sanborn's sermon. Someone's put it on, booming out to the to like anyone, all the hikers uh, are getting sermonized. Never know someone would have been converted. Oh, I think there were 20 conversions that day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they came up on the mountain to pray and they hear the voice of yes. God. Go to the mountain. <laughs> someone else's sermon's like, can recommend very, very highly is Father Bernard Utley. Oh, um, yes. He's probably the only true Catholic Benedictine, mm. um, maybe in the world, I don't know. But his preaching on the spiritual life is profound. Um, it's very simple and beautiful. And we have gained a lot of books over the small amount of years we've been Catholics and often find ourselves gravitating to a fantastic little website, however, that my wife discovered almost by accident. And I'd encourage anyone who's listening, it's www.catholicharbouroffaithandmorals.com. It's an online library which every day changes its homepage to a devotion, gospel and prayers coinciding with the liturgical year. It is literally dozens of traditional Catholic books scanned and digitised, prayers, novenas. It is a treasure trove of true Catholicism and uh, it is just sensational. We use our iPad or smartphone to just kick back on the couch, pick up the website, do five minutes of reading, say a quick prayer during the day. It's even good when in the waiting room of the doctors. Um, yeah. When you're out there, you know, instead of reading the trash that's on the table, just open a browser on the phone and do a bit of reading while waiting. For example, a uh, daily meditation on humility for the month of April. So every day you've got this. I mean, I know many people say don't pray for humility. Uh, you <laughs> might just get it. Uh, we all <laughs> should be praying for it. Yeah. You get, <laughs> might get an opportunity to, to be humble. Uh, so it's very easy to, uh, to use. It's just, as I said, a real treasure trove. Whoever operates the website holds a traditional Catholic, a true Catholic viewpoint as well. Let me just read part of the mission statement. Quote, Catholic Harbour of Faith and Morals is dedicated to Ave Maricela, our Lady Star of the Sea. It is our hope that through her intercession and patronage, souls shipwrecked in the seas of immorality and errors of faith may find safe harbour in the infallible teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. This site functions as a holy mission in these days of universal apostasy providing traditional sermons, devotions and meditations for the edification of the faithful and conversion of sinners. All of our sermons, prayers and teachings date long before the heretical Council of Vatican II, relying primarily upon the infallible teachings from the Council of Trent. With unwavering confidence, we rest in the traditions of our faith, both oral and written as handed down to the apostles by Jesus, knowing that Christ and his church are immutable, Truth does not and cannot change. It is ever the same. If it did change, it could change only to error and falsehood, and then would, of course, cease to exist. Thus does truth perish. In conformity with truth, Catholic Harbour rejects the systematic dismantling of the visible church brought about by the last six antipopes, from Antipope John XXIII to Francis I. St. Vincent of Lerins declares... Quote, all novelty and faith is a sure mark of heresy. And, mm-hmm. quote, when a foulness invades the whole church, we must return to the church of the past. Unquote. No one, be it a priest, this is still continuing the, um, the mission statement, no one, be it a priest, bishop or pope, can depart from the deposit of faith and teach contrary to the infallibly defined doctrines of the Catholic Church without severing himself from her. 
Sermons and teachings we have set forth in defence of the Catholic faith are not to be falsely attributed as defending the current post-Vatican II sect, which is not the church founded by Christ, but rather a man-made Freemasonic religion schismed from the true church by manifest heresy. Unquote. Uh, that's the mission statement of Catholic Harbour of Faith and Morals. The interesting thing to me is the operators of the site remain anonymous. There is no indication of any organisational persons who operate it. And it changes every day, so it's being actively... Does it fall to the liturgical year? Yes. Now, if they are listening, I want to say that they are in our family's prayers for their salvation and that their apostolate continues. In short, whoever you are, thank you for your work. God bless you. Wow, well done. Well, I'm not as techno as a lot of people, but it sounds like for those who don't have the books who are into the iPods and all that sort of stuff, that it's just ideal. You don't have to be too techo. I mean, if you can read a web page, you just go there. It's not a whiz-bangy web 2.0, you know. I have actually looked at it a few times. Yes. So it's quite a simple website. So you don't have to be too techy. But if you don't, like us, we haven't gathered the large libraries that many Catholics have. It's fantastic for us. Yes. Fantastic. That's right. Well, actually, the backbone of our family's daily communal prayer and readings is that Don Garanger set that you quoted from before, Louise. We just love that set. We Mm. use it every day. We normally do the prayers and the readings along with our midday Angelus, but some days the entries get so long we have to break them to two or even three separate sessions, especially Lent and Holy Week. But it sounds like for all those Catholics who are less book-inclined than I am and maybe just don't have them, if they don't have access to this set of books, that they can just go to this Catholic, is it called Catholic Harbour of Faith and Morals? That's right, yeah. So Catholic Harbour of Faith and Morals website, so it would be a great substitute until you all get yourselves the liturgical year mm. set. Actually, the liturgical year set is online as well. It is on there. Personally, yeah. I just don't like reading from screens. I like to just take myself into a quiet room yeah, with a book. Yeah. And yeah, so, but for those right. who don't have the luxury of the mm. books, then this is great because a lot of people just can't afford the books mm. and you can't mm. find them sometimes. Yes. So, it's very good on an iPad or some other tablet, little tablet, because you're kind of getting the both, best of both worlds where you can read the right, Catholic yeah. Harbour or something online, but you, you, it's a bit like a Kindle, you know. You, yes. You can, pick it up and take it but many people don't like reading from screens you've got the books as well yes well we're we're so home-based as well so it's a lot of the the single people the guys who are going out working all the time Mm. and spending time on public transport it makes more sense to you know put headphones on and listen Mm. to like an ebook or just you know read a little kindle or something that's right we would like to remind you that you are listening to the catholic home on the restoration radio network i'm your host Teresa, and i'm joined by louise and phil And today we've been discussing the various ways we keep the faith alive in an Australian mission. We want to remind you that the Catholic Home is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. Permission can usually be very easily obtained by writing to mail at truerestoration.org. So do you use any other like electronic media for your devotional practices, Phil? Yeah, well, my wife often plays the Way of the Cross DVD produced by Prem Altus Media, and she follows the stations, particularly during Lent, during the day with the kids. That the prayers are led by a priest and have responses for the children to say. So, and there's also a little 
specific short stations, which is very edifying for the kids. So they've got a DVD that runs? They've got a DVD that runs and you just follow the, oh, the okay. prompts. Yeah. That's the same people that make that 24 Catholic songs. For That's the right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that sounds So pro-Maltus media are, yes. are, are those. Um, mm. This uh, this show should be about practical places to go and, and things for, and for those. And taking advantage are, of modern technology. Yeah, absolutely. If you need it, use it. They also do a, um, a, a mass DVD, a mass for children. Oh, so yes. The, yes, the children get to show one. that. Yeah, you've got that too, Louise. Yeah, that's a good video. There are a couple of very useful books to mention. There's the usual, you know, Imitation of Christ and the, the things that you use for you know, spiritual, yes. yeah, spiritual reading. But one which we use almost every day, but especially on non-mass Sundays, uh, is Father Leonard Gofine's book, The yes. Church's Year. Yes. It has the epistle and gospel for every Sunday and feast day, as well as many lives of the saints corresponding with the liturgical year. Each day of the year it is explanations of the gospels and epistles. I use it for Sunday prayers, especially to provide a bit of a sermon for the kid, dad's sermon. <laughs> <laughs> it's important that we treat Sunday as a special day so we have our own little sort of mass, so to speak. Yes. With that, of course, the uh, communion, we do a spiritual communion, um, and uh, that just simply consists of a rosary, reading of the epistle and gospel, small discussion with the kids, uh, yes. a bit of Q&A. We also purchased the station's crucifix uh, that you can get from sggresources.org for a small donation. You gain a plenary indulgence. Uh, try to gain a plenary indulgence if you use the, hold the crucifix when, when yes. some of the stations. that's really important for nowadays where there so, are actually no ordinary where they're properly installed. Hmm. So what we did is we had a bishop coming out. We went and bought... Every every family bought themselves a little wooden crucifix with the metal corpus, mm. all about maybe four inches tall. Yeah, and we got the bishop to do that particular blessing he has to do to make him a station's crucifix. Mm. And most families went home with one. I just thought, no, I'm getting fourteen. I'm putting all up, and he actually did like this, like a like an installation ceremony or something. He was prepared to even give me a document to oh. prove it, but I never chased it up. But we had ours like installed yeah. because it's kind of like we're in extraordinary times yeah. and it's kind of like a like a yeah. semi-public oratory, I guess. And I thought, well, I don't think God's going to be saying, oh, it's not quite exactly right, so you haven't got a chance. You know, we can at least try to get the plenary indulgence. Right. I should have bought 15 because each time we do the stations, we have the person who, the one person, only one person has to hold it, who's yeah. our eldest son. He takes one down off the wall mm. and so he holds in his hand. And I think you can still get them from Mr. Rules. Yeah, I'm thinking so. I might just order one more, one more. from them mm. because we don't have any idea the next time the bishop's coming out. You get, get the, the little, you get the uh, whole little thing. crucifix and you get a little by the cross booklet, you know, with it. So, mm, sounds mm, great. It's great, yeah. Beautiful. No, it's just simple little things that you don't have to have, the big altar and the, you know, I mean, it's great you guys have and it's especially needed for, for where the mass centre is, but... Um, just some simple things that you can do simply. And there's so much choice. So returning to your recommendations, Phil, how would you say that these things have helped fortify your Catholic home in the face of the myriad dangers of modern times? Well, Louise is absolutely right before. The world is a sea of impiety. I'd say it's a sea of immorality. Since we really established Christ as our king in our home, our home is now our sanctuary. It's often... Chaos for the kids, as in any young family. I'm sure you'd agree <laughs> sure. with that, Louise. Um, a certain amount of chaos. Especially our family. They're all raging extroverts. <laughs> but it's still our safety zone. It keeps the world out. 
if you like. And uh, I also recommend liberal application of holy water wherever you go. Oh, I'm sure yes. Father thinks we drink it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the home, um, it, it is our little island in, in, in the sea. A little oasis. Know. Yeah, a little in oasis. In the desert. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's yeah. right. Yeah, actually, Damien's grandma, that's my husband's Damien, for those who don't know, she had a habit where she would every night would go through the whole house throwing the holy water in every single room. Yeah. Sure. I haven't done that yet. I've been meaning to do it, but it's one of the things I've never got around to doing. But we have holy water fonts all over the place. Yeah. And I figured out that we bless ourselves with holy water at least 20 times each day. Yeah. And children have the habit as well. So each time they mm-hmm. go to do certain prayers, they would bless themselves with the that's first right. and before yeah. and after. And that's just a wonderful sacramental as well. It's Absolutely. Just a good, it's a good habit. Yeah. <laughs> Especially as you're leaving the house and then coming home. Mm. You, you bless yourself before you go out, especially yes. me when I go to work, and then hop in the car, turn the engine on and whack in, you know, restoration radio on the, <laughs> on the radio. So, fortified. Uh, yeah, have some, keep you fortified. Armed and dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the way back as you walk in the house, you know, dip your yeah. finger in the font. And... That's another thing we have to put on our watch list because at the moment my husband does sprinkle the holy water around the house and we don't have a little asperger. He just uses oh. the children's Drink bottle. Oh, yeah. Actually, <laughs> we works. do so. Uh, whenever we, a little bit crude. Yeah. yeah, whenever we travel, we always bring holy water because you just, when you're staying in houses or hotels, you don't know what's going That's on right. there. But uh, we put our holy water in like a little mouse spray bottle and it's like spraying all the... Oh, <laughs> like people think you've got a mouse spray. Well, yeah. I just use that little, that little plastic bottle with a flip top. Yeah. Lid and it's, uh, you know, just sprinkle it around. Certainly don't have a, uh, an asperger either. But in the face of our modern times, as you asked uh, Teresa, it, it does help your house become... like A, a little, little fortress. Yeah, yeah, a little sanctuary. So yeah. Louise, mm-hmm. one of the main sources whether it's devotions or books, DVDs or whatever, that you and your family utilise these days? Just at the moment, we have got quite a good library set up of tan books. I don't know if the modern-day tan are as good. I've heard that they're not as good anymore. There was a certain stage where they no longer guarantee that they don't change Oh, the imprimatur text. text. Oh, no. Not to mention with those paperbacks, you read them once the second time, the spine packs up on you. Yeah. But that's incidental. But, yeah, you do have to be careful. Mm. But in spite of that, some of those old ones are great. Yeah, the, the old ones, we've been collecting them for quite a while. So we have, we have those. And actually, strangely, before I even was married or had any children, I had an interest in collecting um, really old-fashioned children's books. Oh. So they're not actually religious, but at least they're more more innocent than what you can get yes. at the local, you know, library or shops on the whole. So oh. I have a collection of those um, innocent old-fashioned children's books and old classics. And we also use the Seton Homeschooling and Our Lady of Victories. Yeah, there's so much available now, which is much easier than when I first started off. Mm. Yeah, that's right. It's actually not that there's difficult so to much get available. great stuff. Yes. It's really just bloomed and blossomed on the internet. I mean, something that comes to my mind is, you know, Our Lady of Fatima did say that people should be doing their daily duties, and that puzzled me a little bit. I thought, what can she mean? Because that's sort of obvious, doesn't everybody do what they've got to do for the day. But then I thought, hang on a minute, people aren't necessarily having the children that God sends them. That's not doing their duty. And mm. they're not doing that Catholic education. And, and that's thought, that's a huge responsibility. There are encyclicals it's a promise that are telling that you, you, make you have to you do get it. married. Yes. That you have to bring the children yeah. up in the Catholic faith. So that's why it's very important to make sure you do use some sort of Catholic material 
you know. That's why the Catholic school. homeschooling is so good because everything you do, even the math has its element of being Catholic if you get certain books. Mm. As it should be. It's hours a day you're spending. It's not just quickly just throw half an hour catechism and get on with everything else. It's yes. the entirety. Permeated. It's everything. Yep. It's permeated the throughout the whole. Angelus at the start, the middle of the day, yep. prayer before they start their books, prayer at the end. It's living. Yes. Life. I mean, St. Paul tells us uh, to pray unceasingly, so we need to weave that into our whole day. We need mm. we need the beautiful holy pictures coming up in all the children's, in the maths books and the mm. history books and, and all throughout the whole day because the faith is all-encompassing. That is the yes. whole purpose of our existence. So, you know, that's why we definitely make yes. sure we use those Catholic sources. For sure. We have and to combat the pervasive naturalism that has completely taken over the world that's by it. the antidote, which is supernaturalism. That's it. That's and it. it has to be in everything. I mean, children pick up on an absence of God. It doesn't just have to be error or expressly teaching evolution or atheism, but just an absence of God is wrong. Yes. And that's what you get with non-Catholic well, curriculum. Compulsory secular education is the free Masonic plan. Mm. And that's what is going on. It's compulsory and it's secular Mm. and it leads to destruction. Look where where it's taken us. Yes. So that is a big part of just keeping the faith in the home is the Catholic education of the children. But we do use other solid devotions. We have our home enthroned to the Sacred Heart and we have devotions to the Sacred Heart. We try to follow uh, Louis-Marie de Montfort's True Devotion to Our Lady of course, we say the daily rosary. And we also use the internet a fair bit. We um, buy children's books and piety and so forth from CMRI. It's website. never been more convenient, has it? It's click and away we go. Yes. It comes straight to the door. Restoration Radio, we listen to. We also just try to implement a holy hour in our family during the day and even for the little ones. If we're a bit pressed, we might make it a holy half hour. But we just wow, I'm trying to get that little um, monastery feeling going yes. in the home and give each child a holy book and go to a quiet place to read that holy book prayerfully and to say some of their own private prayers. And I'm just hoping that God is going to speak to them mm. at that time yes. and just building that into their That's routine. Good. Well, yeah. it's not enough just to teach them the catechism. You have to train them in the habits of virtue. It's not going to cut the mustard in our day and age if you aren't training them diligently in building habits of virtue when they're little. Yes, And you can't just say, wait till they're 16 and say, lift your game. It's too late. That's it. Well, I mean, grace can transcend and overcome anything. By the natural order of things, it's too late. It's, it's interesting to let you say that because I notice with my little ones, I expect even my three-year-old to get through the rosary, a five-decade rosary, and a lot of people would say, oh, no, no, they couldn't possibly do that until well, they're 10 or 15. Think about when Nineveh, when Jonas went over and they called the fast and the sackcloth and ashes the babies were deprived of drink and nursing and the animals, the cows or cattle or something. Yes, yes. Can you imagine the penance involved with screaming babies and yes. screaming animals? Yes. But everyone, and if you read the beginning of the liturgical year entry for Lent, you call upon the fast and it goes down to even the infants. Mm. In our day, we're, we're so slack. We couldn't even <laughs> yes. imagine making it's our soft. children do this. But don't underestimate what they are capable of doing. Exactly. You can read about a lot of very young saints yes. that lived a very pious life. So I'm just trying to give that opportunity to my children. Yes. You know, um, I think the other the other thing we do is uh, luckily my husband plays the organ 
And in our household, we love hymns and we love singing. And I think the children respond really well to mm. any prayer that is sung. St. Augustine says when you sing, you pray twice. Mm. So we take that to heart. We do a lot of hymns with the children and we sing litanies. We sing them in Latin and the children just love it. I was very surprised, but they actually find it very intriguing. The and they probably words. will learn the words easier to they, put to music. Yeah. They will. They learn the words and they put their heart into it. It's beautiful. You know? So we do a lot of that. We also watch uh, Catholic movies, old-fashioned ones. We have animated films. We have Catholic yes. music for children. Oh, those Catholic songs are so cute. There's that 24 songs. Yes. yes, I think we've exhausted the world of every single sort of Catholic movie <laughs> That's it. We'll have to start making some more. And the same as Phil said, we use um, Father Gauphine on the Sundays when we don't have priest here. And he's actually, I couldn't recommend him enough. He's answered so many tricky questions that I've had yeah. in my mind that I've never sort of remembered to ask a priest when I've seen a priest. But when you read his sermons and explanations, he just answers it all. Mm. He's yeah. a, quite a treasure trove. Really. He is. That's it's like a compact version of Don Geringer. Yes. And I've actually found many a time when you're reading both that book and the other set, and I just think if people would read these things, we'd all be in the true church. There would be yes. no R&R, there'd be no Novus Ordo, yes. because it's all there. Yes, it is yeah. there once you know about it and find it. But you wouldn't find these books in the local Novus Ordo Catholic no, culture. You find not. Hinduism and Buddhism and everything else. <laughs> so you wouldn't find Don Garanja yeah. there. But, you know, on those Sundays, just getting back to keeping the faith in the family, uh, my husband reads all the mass readings. We do acts of contrition. We make a spiritual communion. Yeah. And sometimes we get to visit the Blessed Sacrament, whether it's at a nearby Catholic's home. That's or... right. And most missions usually have one base where the priest will leave the Blessed Sacrament and people can go and make their visits and you should take advantage. Take advantage yes. of it. That's right. Because, I mean, I've noticed times when you can be feeling worn down with your work and the you go to make that visit to the Blessed Sacrament and everybody comes out really refreshed and pepped up and... It makes such a big difference. And, you know, I just think I appreciate these things more now and the sacramentals and the visits of the Blessed Sacrament. All these things, I appreciate them more now than when I was in an R&R camp. We were about hand-fed, weren't we? This is hand-fed, kind of a zombie But it wasn't solid food. Yes, no, that's right. Yeah, so now I think we've moved up a step and we're taking by the horn, so to speak. You don't want to not take it seriously. It's a huge responsibility in yes. spiritual life and something we all have to take very seriously and we have to impart that to our children. And in mm. spite of everything else, even when we're out here in a so-called mission and people think, you know, we're in a desert, it's not the case. No. It's laid on for us, isn't it? In so many case. ways. Yes. Yeah, job yeah. provides. It, do it. Go ahead and do it. I mean, I would tell people, don't don't worry. Um about leaving anything behind. You're just coming into so much more. Trust in God. That's it. Moving away from the daily family life in the Catholic home in a mission location to the broader Catholic community life, let's talk about the social aspect of a missionary outpost like ours. Mm -hmm. Mm. So just to give people an overview, here we have Mass and Confession usually for two or three consecutive days each month. Often there is a baptism, First Holy Communion, or someone's birthday associated with these Mass days. 
So almost always we have an excuse for a shindig after Sunday's mass. Yeah. And boy, do we take advantage. So many of our group actually drive over four hours per round trip to assist at mass. Most travel at least an hour each way to get here. There's, in fact, one family she's expecting, well, they're expecting their eighth baby. And I think she was saying it takes her five hours each way. I think it would be a quicker drive without stops for the children, mm. maybe four hours. But with that, yeah, that's a, that's a great effort. So given we live fairly spread out from each other, it does make sense, when possible that is, to coincide social get-togethers with these mass gatherings. So we also socialise in smaller groups in between the mass visits from time to time. So maybe Phil first, how important do you think a Catholic social life is as far as support and encouragement in these times when we faithful Catholics are so few and the worldlings surrounding us are so many? It's... Absolutely important. You need the encouragement, the social, the relaxation with people of like mind and sharing our faith. We as a family still spend some time with our non-Catholic extended families, as, as you do out of charity. Some old R&R friends every now and then, especially our non-Catholic family and friends, they're, they're getting more and more caught up in this world. We're becoming less and less part of it. So you just, you've just got to keep the charity. But I think coming back to spending time with our our real Catholic friends is just vital. It just encourages you, keeps you, you know, relaxes you, you know, after you might have had a, a very hard month. So um, it's great. There's nothing quite like real friends who share the same active faith. Down here in Oz as well, we can party like the rest of them. <laughs> we just keep it real, I think. Having the occasional social get-together after Mass or, or on other occasions, it does have a recharge and encouragement effect. Yes. Yeah, and we actually noticed that as we aged, we're not that old, but we just found that we just grew apart. We were taking our, our faith seriously. You're trying to progress and you're finding that we're traveling in opposite directions to all of our yeah. non-mission friends, yeah, so to speak. Right. I mean, not talking about my Catholic friends elsewhere, but the ones that don't quite get it, they just become more and more drawn to the world. You're less and less in common. And just keep wanting to talk about sport or they want to talk about politics. fake politics yeah. and whatever. But when you want to talk about something religious, they don't want to talk about it. Whereas I find when mm. we all get together, that's all we talk about. What about you, Louise? I'd say, look, if it's available in your local area, then tap in because it's going to be great for you. As we've said, it's great for your children to give them good influences. Um, they might even grow up and marry amongst you know which is which is what we want we want more catholic families we don't want mixed marriages we, we don't avoid want, them no mm. that's it but even just friendship itself look at saint Clair and saint francis of assisi who, yes. who bolstered each other up with their friendship it is a catholic and holy mm. thing mm. to have good catholic friends mm. and i found since i've come to this side of the country and i've had more people on the same page as us we can tap into that spiritual advice, to the prayers when we need it, mm. uh, home education co-opting, even just a, a feast day comes up, St. Patrick's Day, let's yeah. all get together and celebrate, you know. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's fantastic. Anything else that you can um, well, yeah. I just, You know, I just think in the Old Testament, didn't our Lord say to the Jews to withdraw themselves from the pagans? He said, lest you imitate their ways. And I think we have to keep that in mind here. We do have friendships with non-Catholics and this mm. and that and, and relatives, which we keep with charity. But yeah. for our own spiritual life, we need to mix as much as possible. We need to have the humility to understand that yeah. we're putting ourselves in danger. 
You do. If and you think you're not affected by the company you keep, you're wrong. No, really, it's just indeed. pride. We are all affected. Yes. It's like sure. with children. The golden rule is don't let them mix with bad company. That's mm. right. That's Why right. would we want to do it ourselves? Yeah, Especially exactly. if I can just put the men's point of view here. Um, when they're off out in the world, often most men do, is you've got jobs to go to. You'd be mixing with them every day. So it comes back to that. Sanctuary effect, if you like, you yes. know, going back into the fort and then keeping the active social stuff with people of the same faith. Well, I can just tell here, like after every mass, it's, it's amazing from one month to the next how much more there is to talk about. And you think, hang on, haven't we covered everything already? But no, mm. everyone's mm. there and they're exchanging information. What else do we read on Nova's order? Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. So, Teresa, I'd like to ask you, in relation to when you first left the R&R setup, what support did you find initially and how did you come to where you are now where you've got a, a world of, of say-day friendships through the net? Hang on. I'm supposed to be asking you the questions? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Comparatively speaking, there wasn't a great deal of a support network back then. So we were talking about 18 years ago. So the internet was in its infant stages. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember, but Blue Mountain e-cards was the only e-cards on the net. You know, so this is like just starting off. So you really couldn't jump on the net and find a Saturday priest, you know. Mm. But fortunately, at the time we left, my parents and siblings and a number, well, not too many, but a handful of other people all left the r camp at the same time. Mm. And... My parents actually had contact with clergy in America and Europe. So pretty much straight away, my dad was on to, you know, asking some of these priests, will you come out and offer mass for us? We've got nothing. We don't know where to start, but can you? And, you know, to their credit, there have been many, many priests since that time who have taken the journey, the harrowing journey out here to Mm. the Antipodes from that it was the pioneering stages. We went from nothing, and it was roughing it back then. I remember in the early days, the priests had to bring their entire mass kit, yeah. like a huge suitcase, and makeshift altars. I remember we were trying to get different venues, and at one point my husband's stacking phone books underneath the dining table to try to get the altar high enough and then covering it all with the linen so you couldn't tell what was under there, and just different things, bricks and things like this, and they had to bring all their vestments and everything and I should say that we have had a number of independent priests come out and offer Mass and provide the sacraments, and it's been wonderful, but we really owe a debt of gratitude to the CMRI priests because so many of them have a fantastic missionary spirit, and mm. they would be probably the bulk of those who have come out, and they're brave to, to come out here, putting up with things not set up properly, trying to get things right, and one of them in particular, because when... We moved to the other side of the country. We had already established there, thanks to my, mostly my dad and my brother, quite a good little mission set up. We came here and there's nothing. Mm. So we had to start from scratch with a little satellite mission. And I think it was a second priest that came out. He sort of cased what was going on and said, you guys need help. <laughs> he went back to, to America. He asked around all the different CMRI priests. Anything you've got spare you don't need, donate it to those poor people in Australia. They've got nothing. <laughs> and I kid you not, a massive suitcase came with beautiful old vestments, just lots of stuff. Wow. An altar missile? 
we were using an old one that one other friend had, but they sent us another one. My husband actually made the missile stand because he can make wood stuff. So he did that and it's just grown and they really did look after us. Your other question was about my uh, extensive set of accounts email contacts. Yes. You're probably blown away by the number of the prayer requests that you receive from me. <laughs> it's pretty Especially much that. Oh, yeah. But it's pretty much the prayer requests. That's all I really do because, believe it or not, I don't actually spend that much time emailing because I'm just so busy with the mm. extensive family commitments. I'm not very good at replying, but people still keep sending them anyway. And I do have a lot of set of account of siblings all over the world. Then you tap into their contacts. You meet people through them. You find out what's going on in their parishes. And, like, we subscribe to, like, the Adson or St. Gertrude's Great News that will get passed on to us from a sibling or even, like, something from Seminary Mission. Or even the Minor Seminary, they have a little newsletter that comes out. So you kind of keep up with what's going on. So because we faithful Catholics are relatively few and we're sprinkled so skimply all over the face of the planet, I think it's important when possible if we do encourage and support each other and sharing information and edifying mm. material and praying. I just get prayer requests, like you said, in Lent. It was, mm. like, constant. Mm. And that's pretty much what it is nowadays. It's mostly just passing on the prayer requests. It's funny because there's 12 of us here. We're home all day virtually. I'm a homebody. I have no life by the worldly standards. <laughs> and I have no intention of getting one. She's got a supernatural life. <laughs> yes, but I'm not, you know, we're here. And so people just think, wow. I have, I have a prayer request, I've got an urgent need, email there. It's like, you know, I've got an email address, mm. Teresa at you need prayers, we're here. <laughs> we need prayers, we'll pray in a hurry.com. You know, so, well, not quite, but you know, prayers are us. Oh, hang on. Teresa, yeah. we have a mega crowd, we'll pray straight away.com. So, yeah, just go there, and within minutes you're going to have 24 knees on the ground, yep. young and old, doing your prayers, because you've got nothing better to do, really. <laughs> Because, you know, the geometry and the literature analyses and the phonics, they can all wait. So you, you need it, you know, email me. So <laughs> then you're the ones that I forward these prayer requests to as well. So it's kind of ironic because even though we're in this, this little number who are scattered in the wilderness, those few of us who can see clearly, thanks to the internet and modern communication, mm. you know, it's worked in our favour because yes. we've been blessed with this incredible strong awareness of not only the unity, but also the universality of our faith. Yes. Even more so probably than any other time in the past. Mm. And thanks to this worldwide Catholic communication network, you know, it has a certain bonding quality. You don't need to see these people to know that you're one with the faith of them. So That's it's right. a very encouraging support structure, I think, during our crisis. Yes. And while it lasts, we should take advantage, but don't be dependent upon it either. That's it. I love how God makes good come from anything bad. Because, mm. you know, the internet's used for some horrid stuff. It's a double-edged right. sword. But there's a lot of mm. good use. Another interesting thing is we had a young German lady visit. You met her mm-hmm. not that long ago, and she came to our masses. So she's at the same um, position. She was saying that her grandfather, right from the very beginning, and later her parents, completely opposed the whole post-Vatican II Robert Church, were across it all. And she was just amazed. She says, I can't believe I come to the other side of the world and all of you are just exactly the same as us. You've got the same faith. You yeah. talk like us. And she was just really blown away. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's the one holy Catholic I've talked to. That's right. That's it. So that sums it all up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was actually saying that my husband and I reminded her so much of her parents. So it was good. I guess you missed them. But, yeah, because she said we just, just talk about mm-hmm. the same things and totally independently. And that's because the truth speaks to itself. And God speaks to them wherever you are. If you truly love the truth, you will find it. And uh, yeah, I think her candid testimony was complete with a German accent, mind you. Mm. <laughs> but it gives beautiful testimony to this deeply consoling truth about our faith 
actually Phil and Louise, the chocolate we were enjoying tonight was actually courtesy of our German friend. Yes. She sent us a whole stash of it. Very good chocolate. Yes. Well, actually, you've been hogging it all, Phil, but we'll <laughs> have a word about that to you later. <laughs> well, Phil, is there anything you would like to add at this point? Have you covered everything? I suppose my message is the real treasure which, with which we must hold on to is the faith. We get the sacraments regularly, and though we aren't in a parish, so to speak, and, and they are a real source of grace and consolation and necessary, but I think of the example of the Japanese Catholics after St. Francis Xavier first converted the Japanese, and then the Japanese aristocracy closed the borders of Japan, killed hundreds of thousands of Catholics and forbade any Christian worship. A small group of Catholics remained true to the faith for over 200 years, without any access to priests, bishops or the sacraments. Now, I've often heard from the R&R parishioners that you can't go without the sacraments. There's a reason for why they can't attend, you know, can't sort of make a move or, or even questioning why we would move. I would say that you can get to heaven without the sacraments, but you can't get to heaven without the faith. Mm, I mean, and so that's, that's, that's a, right. That's my, you know, very simple message. Your closing from, statement. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, yes, powerful. And Louise, anything I, else? I totally agree with that, that the truth is what counts, the faith is what counts, and God will provide for you what you need to get your soul and your family to heaven. And it's not even the desert that they're making out of this anyway. No. It's actually that's, not. That's the irony of it. I mean, if we had to go to, into a desert, then that is what we would have to do. But yes. we haven't found it so. Well, it hasn't no. gotten to that stage, at least not yet. That's yeah. right. So, well, on that note, I'd like to thank you both so much for contributing such invaluable insights and very interesting stories, Louise yeah. and Phil, yeah. and keep fighting the good fight. I hope to. And I look forward to talking to you both again soon, if I can entice you to join us again. Indeed. In another, yeah. another show of the Catholic Home Series of the Restoration Radio Network. Thank you. Thanks for having us. God bless you. If you have any questions for Louise or Phil or feedback on this episode, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at catholichome at truerestoration.org and we will pass along your questions or comments to Louise and Phil. And we would also take this moment to remind you that all correspondence with us is strictly confidential. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who helped make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a mass, a rosary, or even a simple ave for our work the next time you pray. For the restoration, I am Teresa. May God bless you. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.